Native Soil Fertilizer is an all-natural, locally sourced fertilizer. All ingredients are upcycled nutrients sourced within a couple hours drive from San Diego and sold in independent home and garden centers and co-ops. Come out to your local garden center and ask for Native Soil Fertilizer. If they don't have it, please visit www.upcyclingcompany.com forward slash shop and enter the coupon Urban Homestead for 20% off. Native Soil Fertilizer. No chemicals, no fillers, no kidding. Whoa. Let's go down to the urban homestead, Pasadena by the freeway. Right down there on the urban homestead, Jules and his family are working away. Come on down to the farm in the city, back to the future, back to the plan. Right down there on the urban homestead, loving the life, back into the land. Oh, oh, oh. help the garden grow, singing. Oh, 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 we've got to help the garden grow. Welcome to the Urban Homestead Radio. We are your hosts, Annie, Justin, Jordan. Special thanks to our sponsor, Layman's, in Kidron, Ohio. For over 60 years, they have provided practical, non-electrical tools and appliances and home goods. Our family has been a huge fan of theirs since the 1990s and have purchased many quality products for our own homestead. When technology fails, their products will certainly work. So check out their website and online catalog at laymans.com. That's L-E-H-M-A-N-S dot com. We appreciate the support of this podcast. Oh, oh, oh. Help the garden grow, sing it. Oh, oh, oh. We've got to help the garden grow. Oh, oh, oh. Help the garden grow, sing it. Oh, oh, oh. We've got to help the garden grow. Hi, everyone. Thank you again for tuning in. Today we have Jared of Native Soil and Company. Um, hi, Jared. First off, we want to thank you for becoming a podcast sponsor for February. We really Great. appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, so we're, we're, we want to um, talk about um, your company and, and what you do. So, a little um, how you got started. And so, how did, did you get started with Upcycle or? native soil fertilizer. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Um, this actually started for me as uh, it was completely unintentional how it happened. Um, I moved to California about 12 years ago. I thought I was going to be an environmental lawyer, um, wanted to go fight the good fight. Um, and in my in getting out here, I jumped in the ocean to go surfing after a rainstorm and got really sick from it. Um, and that kind of sent me cascading on this path into environmental activism. I uh, obviously didn't become a lawyer, but started to learn about pollution issues on the coastline and you know then from there started to learn about different types of, of reuse so got really involved with the Surfrider foundation um you know and my career kind of just you know wandered through the investment world and into renewable energy and then ultimately started consulting with wastewater agencies and i started learning about how wastewater agencies uh, are actually you're pretty cutting edge in terms of how they reuse all everything that comes through there from the methane that comes off of their digesters to recycling water for irrigation and in some cases for drinking water, 
Um, and then reusing biosolids, uh, which is a, you know, it's a phenomenal nutrient source that comes through the wastewater treatment process. Um, ended up doing some consulting work with a couple of wastewater agencies down here in San Diego. Um, you know, the more I learned, the more I was intrigued. Um, and then the general manager of one of those agencies kind of put the, the challenge to me one day, can I figure out a way to help them market their biosolids, but more importantly, create a great fertilizer product that really took different types of waste and turned it into a new product. Um, for me, that you know, that blend of doing something good for the environment, doing something good for society, and doing it as a business really resonated with me. So that was the genesis of Upcycle and Company, and uh, you know, from that we created our, our first product, Native Soil Fertilizer, which we're here talking about today. That's a fascinating story. So where were you from originally? I uh, grew up in Connecticut, um, back up in the Northeast. A little culture shock out here, but this is a, um, yeah, it was. yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a change. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that on your for, um, you know, some of the advertisement for your fertilizer was like beer and and, and uh, is it beer waste? beer waste and the grounds and the hops? Is that, yeah. yeah, tell us a little bit more. What you know, how you about how your you process that? and how did you get into you know, using that as your fertilizer? Yeah, yeah. So the uh, you know there's three key ingredients. We've got the biosolids. We've got uh, brewers grains or two row barley, and then we have algae. Um, the thing that we were looking for when we got going was to try to find a way to take different types of organic waste that you know is created on a daily basis within a, a certain area. So for us, we set a, a radius of about 150 miles. I said, all right, how do we cut this long tail fertilizer supply? The biggest cost of fertilizer production is transportation and it's natural gas. Um, so I'm thinking, all right, if we can find a lower cost way to take organic matter, turn it into fertilizer, you know, we're solving a bit of a problem here, a carbon footprint problem. Um, just for perspective, every pound of fertilizer created releases 4.2 pounds of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. So you know, it becomes a pretty significant greenhouse gas emissions problem, um, especially when you consider that fertilizer is nearly a $300 billion a year industry globally. Um, so, you know, basically started looking around at different types of waste, coffee grains, um, looked at algae, kelp, beer grains, we looked at biosolids, looked at different types of manures. You know, and really the, the key was trying to find a good blend that, you know, people could understand and relate to. Um, down here in San Diego, we live in the, I think it's been dubbed the brewing capital of the country right now, or at least in the last few years, we've got a you know phenomenal amount of microbreweries that have opened. Um, so we looked at beer grains and I said, all right, you know, what, what do we do with beer grains? What happens with the waste? Um, the status quo right now has been, you know, largely hauling it out to, you know, ranches and different types of farms to use as feedstock for livestock. Uh, some of it's composted, uh, but a lot of time it's, it's hauled out of town by the tractor trailer load and it's shipped out to anywhere from, you know, Northern California out to the Midwest, you know, really wherever the demand and need is. Um, so our thought was, well, heck, let's put a let's put a little bit of a ring around that, bring it back into the county and reuse it. Um, there's also a major disposal problem when it comes to wet beer grains. It's about 80% moisture content. So, you know, we've got a lot of trucks hauling a lot of grains every single day um, from the 133-some-odd breweries here in San Diego. So, you know, what we realized is there's another way that we can reuse it, get the water weight out of it, um, turn it into fertilizer. Um, some of the nice things about about the beer grains, that was when they're dry, they do reabsorb, reabsorb water well. So in Southern California, where we have a lot of clay and very dry weather, anything to help maintain moisture in the soil is beneficial. Uh, so the beer grains are great for that. Um, and then on the algae side, I was originally looking at kelp. Um, you know, I wasn't able to find a ready supply here, but, you know, I know from... Uh, 
a friend of mine who did some work in the algae space that algae is really dense in nutrients. You know, I think anybody that's into natural, uh, natural healthy eating, holistic health understands the values of, of spirulina algae. So we started looking at that space and realized that there is a waste product that comes out of the production. It's kind of a, you know, a dust or a powder. Um, one of the partners we're working with actually just extracts the lipids out and the, the cell wall is essentially what's left from the algae. That's waste for them. Um, but for us, it's rich in the key elements and nutrients that you need in fertilizer, nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus, humic acid, um, you know, and it's also got amino acids and proteins that are still embedded in the cell wall. So we said, all right, you know, we've got a couple of great nutrient sources there and a couple of interesting health stories to tell. Um, and then the third piece that I've been looking at from what I learned with the wastewater agencies was biosolids. Um, the biosolids, there's different kind of gradients of treatment. There's the sewage sludge that comes out of the wastewater treatment plant. Um, and then there's class B biosolids, uh, which is sort of the lowest of the three tiers. Um, that goes through a, a giant anaerobic digester. It's kind of like a giant hot composter. Uh, spends about a month in there. Um, and what you come out with is it's kind of like a wet cake mix. Um, class A biosolids go through some further dewatering to make it a little bit more stable. And then class A exceptional quality biosolids, is, which is what we use, goes through a, a giant heat dryer. So basically the methane that's created in the digestion process runs this heat dryer, um, gets to 1,200 degrees Fahrenheit on the inside. It bakes out all the moisture. It kills all the viruses and bacteria and pathogens. And what you're left with are these little, you know, uniform three millimeter pellets um, that are you know, essentially dense in uh, nitrogen and phosphorus and also trace elements as well. Um, so I took a look at that and I took a look at their process and realized that there's almost no industrial waste. There's no industrial inputs in it. It's all residential from the places that we work with. Um, so we didn't have too much of a concern about the chemical side of it. Um, we found that anaerobic digestion and another process called uh, a thermal hydrolysis are they the best ways to remove, you know, not just uh, not just the viruses and bacteria, but break down other chemical elements that might be present from you know from the human diet. Um, so what we ended up finding was this completely natural source of nutrients that we could source within 150 miles of San Diego or any other place that we go to, and we're able to create a great fertilizer that keeps moisture in the soil, provides nutrients for plants, and we found it, it does a phenomenal job of growing plants. Yeah, there was also I went to your website and checked out. There's also some test results. They tested it for metals and all that other stuff that people can see. That's correct. On your yeah, website. they did so. Yeah, we've got that on our site. The um, we've got some information about that. So the there's a there's ten key metals that the EPA requires um, the wastewater agencies to test for that make biosolids. Um, the agency that we work with is 99% below the threshold, the minimum threshold. So, you know, we're really, you know, we're talking single to hundreds of parts per million um, to single parts per billion. Um, you know, in reality, those, those concentrations would have absolutely no impact on both the soil and the human body, um, nor would they bioaccumulate in the soil. So I'm, I'm really confident about the source that we use. What would you, I mean, you obviously it's a, we have this issue too, like 150 miles, you know, sourcing things and becoming local, sustainable. Um, obviously that would limit uh, your expansion or you would talk about like taking this to other cities or other states and copy it, or is it just a, a, a local thing for San Diego? It's just a perfect idea. Um, um, well, the way we're working right now is we're focused just on Southern California. So, you know, being down here in San Diego within 150 miles, we're kind of kissing the bottom of Ventura County. 
um, up through L.A. County, you know, San Bernardino, Riverside, down to the Imperial County, Orange County area. Um, for now, we're just focused on there. Um, but that said, in the future, we do hope to go to other parts of the country and kind of replicate the process. So we wouldn't be sending any nutrients from Southern California, but we'd say if it's Northern California, we'd look at different types of uh, you know, different types of local industry, local uh, local businesses, local you know food and, and beverage based types of outfits, and see what we can find in order to make a similar fertilizer. So um, yeah, I was curious of that you have, um, you know, how people were saying. Uh, my dad always uh, he had recently passed, but he he was always about you know the soil, um, because I don't think people or well modern or modern industrial farms they just you know use soil as the holding ground for just you know stripping the land and sowing and then stripping the land where you know the soil is a living organism and and it you know has it and it creates you know uh, life and and the taste of our vegetables are considerably better and and the minerals i think we said that the minerals from like 1950s are less because yeah. even though we're eating the same the minerals in the, the soil's been so, depleted, soil's so. Been depleted. Yeah. so do you have like a mineral content with your um like uh like rating for how much the, your compost has on that or when you have NPK, yeah, so yeah. mineral I can't okay. find it right now, but it's a mineral content. Oh, there we go. NPK. Yeah. So maybe you could talk a little about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, our fertilizer has about 11 of the 14 total nutrients. So there's nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus. Um, we also have calcium, magnesium, iron, boron, chlorine, um, you know, kind of the, the key trace nutrients that are needed in soil. Um, humic acid is also an important component of it, too. We don't guarantee humic acid in our fertilizer. That kind of puts us in a whole different regulatory category. Um, but it's something that is kind of contained within both the biosolids and the algae side. Um, that's important for breaking up soil, particularly clay, um, you know, and creating that space for, uh, for bacteria to thrive and break down nutrients and use them for the roots. Um, you know, part of what, we've, what we look to in our fertilizer is the water-soluble versus insoluble um, uh, balance. So we're about 35, 40% water insoluble and, you know, the balance of that is water soluble. Um, and what we find with that is biosolids have historically been used in brownfields and other Superfund restoration sites because they have this, uh, this kind of unique, just naturally inherent slow release component to their nitrogen and phosphorus. Um, having that allows for kind of a longer term approach to gardening. So what we found is that with our fertilizer, we're able to actually, uh, you know, by, by applying it to the soil, we get some pop initially with the growth in plants, but some of the fertilizers actually, the nutrients are actually breaking down over time and kind of reconstituting the soil. So we're able to get longer growth cycles out of our plants, um, you know, and we're able to get you know much more productive and, and tasty fruit over the course of that life cycle. Whereas, you know, with a you know, with a more conventional non-organic fertilizer, you might have, you know, you may have a great tasting fruit initially, but it, it dies off over the course of the season. Yeah. As with any organic fertilizer the, versus the chemical stuff, instant, you know, people want that instant, you know, uh, boost while well, the organic natural way is long-term. So even uh, for our situation, we did the, um, we don't fertilize that much and we try not to even use uh, other outside inputs, but it does help because we can't, obviously, uh, we're on a small space, but yeah, um, 
Well, to be sure, you know, one thing to keep in mind with fertilizer too is it's really it's a small piece in a bigger picture. I would say your soil and your compost is, is actually far more important than your fertilizer, which you know, I probably shouldn't be saying, given that I'm here talking about my fertilizer company right now. Um, but, you know, it sounds like you guys, you, you live that, and that is, you know, you've got, you know, your composting and you're sort of keeping everything in-house. Um, that's, the I would say, one of the biggest problems that I've seen is that, you know, people want to grow something and they stick, you know, a nice, beautiful tomato they got at their local at their local garden center in clay soil and they don't understand why the thing wilts or it's something that was grown in a hothouse and it wasn't grown outside and then, it you know, it, it ceases to grow when it's outside in, in the weather because it's not used to the elements. Um, but I think, you know, what that what comes back to is good soil and then the bacteria level in the soil as well, sort of that native bacteria and that, you know, that's cultivated best by a good compost and having, you know, a good soil mix and fluffing up the soil. The fertilizer is just a booster at the end. I would say it's kind of like having a protein shake after you go into the gym rather than, you know, having a, a big full dinner, yeah. know, a proper rounded meal. We see the problem here because uh, a lot of people, they pay someone to come and do like a raised bed for them. And then they go to the local, you know, soil garden center, center and they get a load of, soil dumped into the garden bed and, bags of soil. and we we the biggest complaint well complaint we have people contacting us and saying i bought this organic soil and i planted these plants and everything's dying <laughs> and we and i think justin he went over to one lady's place and he looked at the soil and it's just you know the potting sawdust soil it's like kind of, you know sawdust and shavings you know the stuff that any garden potting soil it's sells just it's just stuff. dead and light and blow away there was no nutrients in the potting soil that most people sell today yeah and that's i mean you said it before that that's a much bigger systemic issue there's a there's a really interesting study on soil quality and nutrient density in vegetables in scientific america a couple of years back um i remember they're, they're pointed to one statistic um you know I'm about 36 years old, so I think of my grandparents as, you know, the, the Depression, World War II era generation. But they referenced that generation saying to uh, to get the same amount of vitamin A, I believe it was, um, that was present in one orange in the 1940s, you have to eat eight oranges today. Yeah, well. And there was somebody yeah. told you about a spinach? Yeah, so that's, yeah, our doc, uh, we have a, go to a chiropractor and, and uh, he was just mentioning just last week, and this is what he said. So I'm just quoting him, so I don't know. If it's, I'm just Scientific quoting him. But he said, said just uh, yeah. Facebook. According uh, <laughs> to the chiropractor, I look how he said, yes, uh, you know, a cup of spinach back in the 50s, but now you have to eat like 500 cups of spinach because the nutrient content is so you know depleted. Depleted, and, and so even though we're eating spinach, food, we're not eating food. Yeah, you know. And so. then we're talking about the. There was a bushel of oats. Yeah, weigh. Uh, I don't know where that was. They weigh. But they, they weighed a bushel less. of oats, mm -hmm. and it weighs less, even though it's the same size uh -huh. and the same amount. It then, weighs less mm -hmm. than it did fifty or hundred years ago because there's no new, there's no middle. Yeah. So it's pretty it's pretty scary stuff because people say, well, it's oats, it's spinach. It's, I'm eating well. Yeah. I'm eating good food, um, but are you getting your minerals? Yeah. So that's why, you know, we're, we're big about getting the, the minerals too. It's not just about eating the food. It's actually getting the, all the components that is in the spinach or in, you know, the orange the, in your body too. Yeah. We also have the same thing we want to touch on with about the 150 mile radius was mm -hmm. some 
what we had to debate too is if you buy organic from New Zealand, yes, I know. and you're trucking in organic produce mm -hmm. or organic meat from New Zealand mm -hmm. and halfway around the world, uh -huh. is it I know class uh -huh. technically classified as organic? Could yeah. you just all the fossil fuels to take it over yeah, here when you can source local? Yeah. Our food system is messed up. Yes. <laughs> It's a whole another whole podcast. Oh, yeah, I know. So, yeah, I have a question. Um, you'd explained how, you know, your biosolids was, um, you know, far superior to, you know, what, you know, the common sewage sludge that is sold often. Um, I think one of the biggest questions I would have is, what would, you said it removes metals and chemicals, but how about like anything about pharmaceuticals, birth control? or any kind of drugs that were in people's system. How, does that kind of uh, processing system break process down? Out, yeah. You know, does it process out like from, you know, cause there's something about like, oh, you know, it's a natural, but the human body is not the same as it was like a thousand years ago. People are doing these drugs and they do these pharmaceuticals and birth control. So what comes out of the human body is not, is not necessarily, I would say, organic or <laughs> healthy. <laughs> as it would be if you just went out into the woods and somebody was eating really nice, good food. So how would you, address people concerned about pharmaceutical, putting pharmaceuticals in the soil? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there's, a, there's a whole kind of um, corpus of literature and research that's come out of um, EPA funding through both the EPA and through private uh, universities that are focused on that issue. And it's, you know, broadly, it's referred to as CEC, or Contaminants of Emerging Concern, um, and then also pharmaceuticals and personal care products, uh, you know, uh, PPCPs. Um, so the broadly speaking, the process that is used with the heat drying and the anaerobic digestion seems to be breaking it down. Um, we haven't done any. To be fair, we have not done any specific studies with uh, you know with what we've got. However, what we have seen from the research, um, you know, a great example of a study that was done by Milorganite, Milwaukee Sanitation. Um, so with milorganite, they looked at triclosamine, which is a, a very common antifungal. It appears in soaps and toothpaste. It's it's kind of one of the top 84 of all the 74,000 potential chemicals and, and products that are used that end up, you know, in some way, shape, or form going through the human body or in and around the human body into the, the wastewater system. Um, they found that a 150-pound person would have to eat 1,250 pounds of corn a day of 40 years um, in, yeah, in order to have any noticeable amounts of the triclosamine in their body um, and then to have any potentially deleterious effects from it. So they have study after study that indicates that, and that was the most extreme of the, they did corn, they did tomatoes, um, and I think it was squash that they studied. So the, you know, there's a lot of research that indicates the same type of thing that yes, we have the science and technology um, to be able to test and really in like individual parts per billion increments for pharmaceuticals, personal care products, um, antidepressants, antifungals, you know, you name it, anything that we touch, use, consume um, on a daily basis. You know, and we just sort of the, the population as a whole, the, you know, the natural process of a human being digesting something that's already been approved by the FDA, um, you know, whether or not you believe that the FDA is corrupt is a different conversation. Um, yeah. That's a whole long podcast. <laughs> and I'm willing to guess that the five of us could probably go on for hours about that. Um, 
and probably agree with each other too. But, uh, you know, there's, you know, we have stuff that is technically scientifically proven to be safe for consumption in certain cases. Um, the body metabolizes and uses a great deal of that. There is some residue that, you know, shows up in, in urine and feces. Um, but then, you know, we tell, it goes through this anaerobic digestion process, this dewatering and heat drying process to break it down further. Um, then it actually gets blended and cut in our fertilizer. So it's, you know, it ends up being about half of our overall blend. Um, from there, it's added to soil and watered in. It's broken down further by bacteria in the soil. It's then, you know, slowly taken up in, in increments by the roots of the plant. It's metabolized by the plant, grows into the fruit or the, the leaf that you're eating, um, which is also exposed to UV light and, you know, therefore radiation, which is considered the most effective way of treating for different types of uh, different types of chemicals and pathogens and viruses within waste, uh, any type of waste source. Um, then we eat it and metabolize it again. So, you know, the, the point through my sort of circuitous narrative there is that there is this very long both industrial process, um, chemical process, and then natural process that uh, that pharmaceuticals go through, would have to go through before they, you know, go from the pill bottle on someone's counter back into a plant to be eaten. Um, I would also posit that for anyone who likes to use animal manure, um, 80% of the antibiotics consumed in the world actually get fed to animals, not people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the standards for composting chicken manure, cow manure, pig manure are significantly lower than the ones for uh, the EPA requirements for treating wastewater. So there still is a gray area within this research. I don't want to pretend that, you know, paint this rosy picture, um, you know, and, and sound like, you know, we're on some moral high ground. Um, but, you know, I would say that because of the level of regulatory pressure placed on local wastewater agencies, um, because of the processes in place, and then because of, you know, both the ones at the facility and then the natural processes, you know, if you're using a, you know, a predominantly human-based waste source, um, I, I think you're, you know, you're looking at something that's very safe and it's been proven to be very safe by EPA and USDA studies. Yeah. So that said, it still it still can't be used in organic fertilizer. So that's that's a whole different dialogue. Yeah. So it's we're not certified organic for a variety of reasons. Um, sometimes paperwork. Sometimes uh, we just like to experiment with some things. Um, for the people that don't know, or people that are not familiar with it, I know that uh, thousands of years ago, whatever the Chinese would call it, night soil. I think it was Asian. Mm -hmm. They had night soil compost. They would use it for their uh, farm fields. Um, for people that don't know, you touched on it a little bit on the intro that they, you know, you went surfing and they pumped in the sewage sludge. They say don't swim after a storm. Where does it go um, if you're not turning it into fertilizer? For people that are unaware. Yeah, that's a that's a whole different industry in and of itself. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we everybody goes to the bathroom every day and they say there's 15 million tons of, uh, that's an estimate uh, in this book we're looking at right now, but uh, about Jane Logs did, but 15 million tons. So it does go somewhere. It's not like uh, <laughs> yeah, tell maybe tell them about the book. Well, it's 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 about it's a book managing manure to save yeah. mankind. Gene Lodston. Um, it's a we don't, book about manure. Yeah. So basically, they said uh, there's 50 million tons of recoverable nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium per year in human waste. 
So where does it go now? If it's not turned into fertilizer. Well, it goes in, yeah, it's interesting. It goes to landfills. um, So it's something called alternative daily cover in landfills. They're dumping all the they dumped yes. all the green waste, all yeah. the dark waste, I all the stuff. They're going to be mining the co- landfills for compost. I think there's a movie, of, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. or, or some bug that bought that Wally. <laughs> but yeah, you, you guys, like, I think you, we should get a camera and do yeah. some investigative journalism. I'm sure we could find awesome. some really, really stunning video of that. That yeah. gave me just an idea. Though. There's your next documentary or something. Because, um, like, where does this, where, I mean, America's just consume and throw away, and there's no really, you well, know. Well, first of all, they eat basically crap in pure water. Okay. Yeah. This, I mean, just yeah. we're polluting. I mean, the toilet system. Yes. Yeah. So, obviously, if you're not living on a, a pit toilet or a composting uh-huh. toilet, yeah, everybody pollutes perfectly drinkable water. water. Yeah. And, and then, then it goes it, off and disappears and somewhere. Goes, it's somebody else's problem. Mm-hmm. So they said Europe has a different way of handling it. Asia has a different way of handling it. Obviously, it goes somewhere. So maybe you can enlighten <laughs> us or not scare us too much. But <laughs> oh, scare. Yeah. Well, uh, well, here's the point where my business model might make even more sense. Um, so in Southern, in California alone, I think we produce about 7 million tons of biosolids. Uh, what is it? I think it's a day. No, it's a year. Oh. It's a year. Um, in Southern California in particular, we take all those biosolids. So, you know, again, keeping in mind, it's 80% water. So we're, we're basically filling up trucks with soup. Um, those trucks drive across the state of California to our good friends in Arizona. <laughs> it gets dumped. And, uh, yeah, Arizona is okay with taking our, our, our feces. So then it gets dumped on farms in Arizona as it is as Class B biosolids. So the Class B biosolids get dumped on farms in Arizona. They get baked by the UV radiation from the heat out there. It gets turned into the soil. They grow alfalfa and Sudan grass, which they then feed to cattle, which they then slaughter, which they then feed back to us. Okay. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so it's actually in the food cycle already. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And that's just one That's just one thing. There's also... Uh, oh, don't even do, address the animal yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Methane. Yeah. Methane. So go vegan. That's that is the moral of the story. Go vegan. <laughs> just, or just eat less meat. Or if you don't, or raise it yourself. And so before you got <laughs> exactly into like this, you guys do. <laughs> before you got into this uh, soil business, I mean, were you all aware of like, you know environmental issues? I mean, did you grow up like kind of just the American lifestyle, consuming, and then when you you know, you went and swam in the ocean and realized that something was wrong. Or were, I mean, did that completely change around your way, um, your whole way of thinking? Or were you always aware of like something was wrong in the way and, you know, society handled a lot of stuff? A lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give credit to Zach De La Rosa for Rage Against the Machine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's a very obtuse way of answering your question. Yes, I, I've, I've kind of been aware of these things from the time I was young. Um, you know, I always kind of gravitated to that you know, sort of counterculture stuff. I, you know, for whatever reason, um, that just appealed to me. Um, that said, though, I was not I did not know anything about sewage and the waste and, and in particular the reuse side of it. You know, it was more of sort of a reactionary, you know, punk kid type of thing. Um but I I mean I still remember, you know, seeing garbage on the beach and being aware of environmental issues. I think one of the one of the starkest things I saw is I went to college in upstate New York and um we were as part of the the outdoor program there and one of the heads of the program was taking some of us out hiking. hiking. 
and explaining to us how the western-facing slopes of the Adirondacks were yellowed and kind of, you know, more brittle than the eastern-facing slopes. Um, and it turns out that it was a result of all of the air pollution and uh, acid rain that was generated by factories in the Midwest that blew over the Great Lakes and then rained and snowed down predominantly on the western slopes of the Adirondacks. So it was really weird. You could almost, if you were standing, if you were, you know, a big giant and looking down on the Adirondacks, you'd see these brown, slightly brown western slopes and these nice green eastern slopes. Um, so it was, you know, things like that that I saw growing up, going hiking with my grandfather, seeing garbage in the woods kind of alerted me to, to these realities. Um, and I always found more sol- solace in hiking and, you know, just kind of going disappearing in nature when I was a kid. Um, so that was always something important to me. Um, as far as the surfing side, though, I never experienced getting sick from dirty water back east. Mm. Wow. Interesting. So that was kind of an eye opener, and I would say like a a pivotal point for me. Um, you know, and it was it's a it's a very selfish point, frankly. You know, it's just you know me saying I don't want to get sick surfing. That's not fair. But then you know, it just tried to sort of spiraled and turned into this you know this renewed sense of passion and direction. And then it's you know, here I am, twelve years later, still working on it. And you know, to be fair, wastewater agencies are largely like the last line of defense for the coastline. Um, you know, it's, if there's a food spill, it becomes a major problem. But people in that industry work incredibly hard, 24 hours a day, to make sure that there aren't spills. But there's other types of waste. It's runoff from the roads, and it's the fact that our rivers are paved over, um, and that, you know, that water can't filter and percolate into the marshlands like we had back east in New England. There's, you know, rivers are not paved over and there's these massive marshes that, you know, can sort of absorb all yeah. of this runoff and all the metals and dust and it rains regularly. So it's just a completely different climate. And you, you mentioned that before. You know, I, I grew up in a place where, you know, there's natural filtration. We don't have that here. We've paved all the major rivers. So That's water right. runs off the land as fast as possible and it ends up in the ocean. Yeah, yeah, they do say from starting up here in the mountain, up in Altadena, they, uh, Army Corps of Engineers decided it can't, because of flooding dangers or risk or the price of real estate, they decided to make a con- concrete channel from here to the ocean. Get and it when all the rain, as fast as possible. When all the rain, wonder where all the where all the water goes, goes down this concrete channel into the ocean. And all the and streets then, pour into this con- concrete channel. And it can't drain, it can't percolate, it can't it can't soak into the thing, and then we wonder why we live in a drought, yeah. and why we have a desert. And speaking know? of, like I said, getting sick, I, um, a couple weeks ago, I was at um, EcoFarm conference up in Asilomar, so right on the, you know, on in, in Monterey, on the beautiful coastline there, and it had rain uh, the evening, um, and, and they had posted and they, you know, had signs and, and over to speakers saying not to go near the water, um, just because it's just a little rain. And it was, it was like, wow, you know, even contaminated up, into, up there as, you know, a beautiful coastline right next to Pebble beach, you know, million dollar homes. And they it had, they had posting signs. Yeah. Don't go but does the, near the water. Because of the rain or the sewage. Cause cause there, but anyway. the rain, they, but they posted because it must've something well, happened something the night before. Over. So it was, you know, don't, you know, stay away from the water. So like a sewage bill happens because the, Facilities get overflowed or something, they let something go to the ocean. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, it just remind me of that. That's what they had. So, yeah, I mean, even in the most, you know, pre- uh, you know, beautiful coastline in Monterey, you can't, you sign, know, yeah. they have not swim signs after rain. You know, so. Something's wrong with it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Have you uh, had any challenges in starting the business, like uh, getting it to market in terms of, you know, government legalities? Or, I mean, what's the biggest challenge you had to face to get this product, you know, up and running? Uh, Is it just standard business, entrepreneur issues, you know, finances, marketing, stuff like that? Yeah, it's, it's everything. I mean, it's everything from, you know, me being on point every day and getting out and doing my job, which is, you know, I need to be going out and selling my fertilizer and I don't feel like that every day and I don't do it, you know, as diligently as I should, to be honest. But, uh, you know, it's just every single day waking up and saying, all right, today's a new day. I'm going to go out and bring this to as many people as possible. But yeah, I mean, you know, there's all those, there's all those things, you know, there's finances, but we've been really lucky. We've got a few investors that came in to help you know, get things going. So, you know, really fortunate to have good people behind us. Um, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, I, well, I don't right now. Um, I had, you know, I've basically been, I got this thing to a point now where we've got inventory and product together. Um, we're in a really great position to be able to deliver to customers, which I'm excited about. You know, it's been a lot of, it, it's been kind of segmenting things out in a process that works, right? So it's, figuring out our brand. Um, you know, one of the biggest time sucks that I had was getting approval from the department of food and agriculture. Um, you know, some, I don't want to talk poorly of them, so I don't take this as me doing so, but they have a huge backlog of fertilizer companies. It takes them a really long time to, uh, you know, to, to get approvals done and with good reason, you know, there's a lot of brands out there that are, you know, can do questionable things and there's been problems in the past, you know, fertilizer is the kind of thing where it's easy to, if if you can get away with it, it'd be easier to say, oh, here's our nutrients and then lie about it and just sell it to people unsuspectingly because it takes time for the, the fertilizer to work. So, um, you know, for us, it was really learning the process, learning, you know, the state standards and regulations and making sure that, you know, with the third party lab test that we did, it conformed to their standards and it conformed to the American Association of Plant Food Control Officers standards. Um, and that took time, you know, and then there was testing and you know, I spent a couple of years trying different blends, um, you know, a friend and advisor of our company helped me put together the blend. Um, so it was saying, okay, you know, we think that if we blend these different nutrients, we'll get certain results, but you know, then you can have, you know, you can have a great NPK blend. It doesn't mean it's going to work the way you want it to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you mentioned, you know, so, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so yeah, that's just, you know, it was, it's just a, it's a lot of little moving parts, but, you know, it's, I think you guys are probably familiar with that too. Yeah. You know, any, any business kind of is, yeah, juggling <laughs> everything. It's like, yeah, you're juggling. it's like spinning plates and then you have to go back to the first plate plate and spin it. And then you, and by the time you get to the 10th, you got to go back to the first. So, but uh, yeah, <laughs> with any challenge, I know you said challenges, but what about what's your favorite part of running your company? I mean, is there something that, you know, um, I know you have a cute slogan. Yeah, find I just love your t-shirt. Find your soil mate. <laughs> How's that walking? <laughs> I was just looking at them like that is a great t-shirt. Find your soil mate. <laughs> yeah, there's. I mean, honestly, everything about it. I love working for myself. Um, I've got some great people. The, uh, the the ladies who did our design work, Alina and Melissa, were incredible. I mean, they you know Melissa came up with a really fun copy. We've got some really great taglines like "Find your soil mate," "The future friendly fertilizer." Um, you know, and then Alina did just a brilliant job putting together, you know, the hugging carrots that we have on the front of the bag to illustrate find your soil made. I mean, really, really have a great team of people that have come in and, and helped to put together this brand and, and tell the story of it. Um, so do you just have one product or, or what? Or is it multiple products? Yeah, 
No, we just have one. We've got different bag sizes now. Um, you know, we've been ha- we've been selling an eight pound bag. We're actually releasing a we released a four pound or excuse me a one pound bag last week, and we have a four pound bag coming. Um, and all we found is that you know not everybody has an awesome urban urban plantation or urban farm. Uh, so you know we we don't really need to be selling people eight pound bags of fertilizer. So you're trying to do that. But at the end of the day, you know what we find is. When it comes to fertilizers, you know, most of our competitors have multiple labels. They've got, you know, their azalea blend and they've got their geranium blend and, you know, all these sort of specific cases. Um, something that I love about plants is they don't discriminate. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. You know, they're, they're solid like that. They, you know, plants need certain types of nutrients, as you guys know, at different points in the growth cycle. And they'll extract those from the soil as they need them. If you're trying to grow scale or, you know, rapidly, you know, if, if someone's growing cannabis and needs to shave a week or two off their production cycle, then, yeah, absolutely, they need to spike their their soil a little bit differently. But, you know, for your average gardener, it's not necessary to do that. So we try to be honest with our customers and say, look, you know, having all these different blends and, and adjustments of NPK and, and nutrients may be beneficial depending on your soil quality, but by and large, you really don't need to buy five or 10 different fertilizers or something for each of the plants in your yard. Ours is kind of a one and done. You know, you buy our product just based on the volume that you need and you fertilize everything and enjoy the process of growing. So what is there like for people that say what, like one pound, what's the application rate for that'll cover so many square feet or every couple of weeks or. Yeah. So like with our eight pound bag, for example, that covers 200 square feet. Okay. Um, we, we recommend about a full handful per plant. Um, so, you know, about half the handful into the hole when you put a start on and the rest of it spread around the base of the plant. Okay. It's the standard stuff. Yeah. I saw you, you selling, um, I think it was it on Facebook something you have a little, you go to farmer's markets and sell your, 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 uh, soil bags. Is that right? Down in San Diego? Or you have a farmer's market? You yeah, we, we do. So which one would that be? Yep, we're in uh, in North Park, um, which is kind of a cool little uptown community. And then we're also selling Pacific Beach right now. And if the people in Ocean Beach Farmers Market are listening, I'd love to be in your farmers market too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should know. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, do you have? Do do people come back? And um, you know, maybe six set or well, you know, I mean, he says he doesn't. I mean, I don't know. you said you didn't get much feedback negatively, but. How is like the you know consumer response to to um, do they come back and say we oh we put your stuff in our garden was amazing last year I mean do you get any of that or our tomatoes were awesome or like you know customer feedback <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of a mix I mean we're we just started selling our fertilizer last May okay. um, so you know I haven't I haven't necessarily had anybody come back and you know give me a huge high five or a hug and say you you know you're incredible. Um, but, you know, what we have seen, there, there are a few people and, you know, some friends of mine and sort of friends of friends who have taken it and used it and seen incredible results. Um, one of the companies that we partner with down here is called the San Diego Seed Company. Um, you know, and Bridget, the owner, is great. She's taken our fertilizer and put it in, in the gardens at her place. You know, she's had awesome results. We actually saw this uh, this cabbage today. It's about the size of a soccer ball um, that grew with her fertilizer. Yeah, she's got five beans that are, you know, Basically about four and a half, five feet tall within a couple of months. Okay. 
I just, uh, it's interesting. I'm looking at your Facebook as I'm sitting here talking to you, and I just see a, a somewhere back in your timeline photos is a photo of our backyard, and it said garden, hashtag garden goals. <laughs> it's our backyard. Yeah, I just, yeah. I'm like scrolling to you. I'm like, hold on, wait. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> it says, don't know if this isn't garden goals. I don't know what it is. I just, I'm like, wait, hold on. Oh, I'm on your website. That's I mean, our backyard. That's Facebook and that's our backyard. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the most famous pictures. That's, yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. I swear we didn't steal that from your website. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's, it's, that's the one that that's, went all, all over. That was it's a like bar- a meme. Our backyard's a meme. It's like anyone that shows a backyard of food production, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah there's our this one. It's, like, it's almost like a stock photo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been used and reused so many times. It's like, whose place is that? No, it's ours. And then the other one, they reverse it. Yeah, one time, it, one time somebody flipped the photo and kind of confused me. You know how you can do it on Photoshop? You can, <laughs> Reverse yeah. the things. Like, yeah, south, south and whatnot did not line up after living here for so long. Small but, um, no, I, I mean, I find... If you're in the area, stop by. I would love to. There's a couple of uh, couple garden centers I talked to up that way last July that I'd love to be able to get in. So uh, you know, maybe I'll do that and I'll swing by for a cup of tea to check your place out. Absolutely, that'd be awesome. But I love I love those photos you have on your website though. There's that one of you know, it looks like it's it's an older shot of the garden we were just kinda of talking about and then the current one. It's I mean it's kind of inspirational, you know, look at that to see what a person can do with limited space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was a labor love that was started bought the place thirty two years ago and we like our our tagline is the soil's getting better every year, you know. So we tried we're to growing up in the world. Yeah, we're growing up in the world, you know, because <laughs> yeah. we got we're higher than our next door neighbors. About a foot and foot and a half. Yeah, that was some a couple years ago. Yeah, we're so higher we're than deep, our neighbors. So. We're putting new raised beds, and we have issues with the drought and the, and irrigation issues and stuff like that. But yeah, it's a labor of love for us, you know. Obviously. And soil's for, where it's at. We have a soil problem. We actually produce so much soil that we. It like spills everywhere. I mean, yeah. front yard we had to put a layer of bricks because it was spilling into the, the sidewalk. Is because we do so much compost and we have the animal manure, which they're, they're raised holistically. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean the compost. No, no, I mean, at some point you look at something like I got to compost this, and you look in the compost pile and it's it's full, and you're just like, hey neighbor, you want some compost? You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a labor of love and shoveling like, over the fence. Yeah. <laughs> Here, it's take gold. It. Yeah, you don't want it. But yeah, we have we we actually years ago we actually never installed it, but we actually bought a composting toilet. Um, we were we got the humanoid mm-hmm. book, and we just never mm-hmm. never got it all set up, and never did that. But it was because Dad was interested in completing the cycle, you know, like uh, things. But um, well, I think when he lived in New Zealand, did he have it? We had he an outhouse in the bucket. Yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> when he lived in the outhouse. <laughs> they would move it after a couple months, yeah. then they'd move it to another section. Yeah, and, yeah so. but the city yeah, living doesn't quite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we had a, we had a, we still got the. Uh, they probably have better models now. Yeah, compost they incinerate it now. Yeah. And, um, we still want we still want to revisit it, and we want to get back to it. Um, we we'll probably have to do it in certain areas like the production garden. You know, simply for I guess legalities, people mm-hmm. would not. Yeah, and we sell know, and we sell the salad, and you know we can't guarantee everything, but um, yeah, but you know for trees the orchard or, area yeah. type, and I would do more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have if people get um, we have issues with uh, people say. Duck eggs. Mm-hmm. It tastes funny. Yeah. Even though they don't. It's, it's misconceptions. We have uh, misconceptions of vegetarian mm-hmm. uh, soy dogs versus mm-hmm. or 
Yeah. Not meat dogs, meat dogs. You tell them off the bat, right? No, it's, it's just sword. because it's they only have a preconception yeah, of what it is. Thing. So unfortunately, people and then they believe everything they read, which is mm-hmm. not quite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So okay, I think we're. We're all, we're all, we're almost winding down. Do you want to talk a little bit, anything you want to share with our um, Where listeners? Where to find you and what's, uh, what's your future what you're looking, plans? Like looking yeah. to? Yeah. Tell us a little bit. Yeah. What's are coming any up? Any funny or? stories or train wrecks? Or anything? <laughs> <laughs> good days, bad days. Um, the good, bad, the ugly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. No, we're, um, Right now, we don't have any stores up your way. Um, you can buy bags online from us at uh, nativesoilfertilizer.com. Um, so yours truly will be the guy fulfilling it. So I'll, you know, I'll put a little smiley face on the bag for you when I send so it. So you, you ship nationwide? You ship nationwide or, or not? Uh, we, we try not to. We really just, we try to target Southern California. Um, that said, I won't say no to somebody that wants to try it. But yeah, um, the shipping you know, cost it gets a little pricey, yeah. So, um, but we're also in about eleven home and garden centers down here in Southern California. We're up in uh, Orange County at OC Succulents. Um, we're out in Valley Center, Valley Center Nursery, and then uh, some of the kind of the old famous ones here in San Diego: Walter Anderson, Mission Hill, City Farmers. Um, we've actually got a link on our website. Um, so if you if you go to our website and click on the uh, click on the About button. You'll be able to check out where we are. Um, and I'm also seeing on Amazon. <laughs> He's selling on Amazon well, as well. So that's great. if you want stories about trials and tribulations, we can talk about that. <laughs> I thought that was great. I mean, it's you're selling on Amazon. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, Amazon, it's been okay. Um, you know, it really got to a point, though, where I haven't been very happy with with their service, how they treat us as a company. Um, we've had a few things happen that, you know, it's it's definitely cost us more than a few bucks. Um, and they've just been really, and it's mistakes that they've made and they haven't owned up to it. And, uh, that kind of got to a point that, you know, we're a local brand. We want to focus on local distribution. We really weren't getting much sales off of Amazon. So I actually called back most of our products from Amazon, um, and sticking it back in the warehouse here. And so it is focusing on fulfilling it ourselves. Um, there's better quality control. People don't get broken and torn bags. Um, you know, and also, too big. I'm trying to support local businesses. I'd rather yeah, right, I'd yeah, rather right. be the guy who focuses on local retailers, you know, rather than places like Home Depot or Lowe's or Amazon as a distribution channel. So you also have a Facebook page, YouTube, Twitter, MySpace, no, Instagram. Sorry. <laughs> wait, Justin, no way. You're dating yourself. <laughs> sorry. There. No, okay. Modern. <laughs> yeah, we, we have we have a, a thriving MySpace account, Justin. It's it's doing really great. Okay. Um, Sorry, yeah, we're uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram. Um, if you look up Upcycle and Company, um, you'll be able to find us. Our Instagram stuff's been really great. Um, so you know, come check that out. We've got an awesome, awesome young lady working with us who does a far better job than I could ever even hope to do. <laughs> so yeah, come check that out. She's sharing all sorts of great stories and you know things that are going on with partners of ours and things that we're doing at the company where we're going to be at farmers markets and we're going to start doing some pushes about some of the retailers that we're in. Um, and then I'd say too, you know, for anybody out there listening that's that's intrigued by this, please like go to your local retailer and tell them you're looking for native soil fertilizer. Um, you know, the more the more people that get out there, and you guys know this too, the more people that get out there and ask about you, you know, the more retailers are going to listen and want to carry you. Um, you know, and that's it's really important for a business like ours that we distribute ourselves. We don't work with Central or L and L at this point. Um, you know, we've talked to them, but you know, just waiting for 
waiting for things to happen. So we're doing it ourselves. You know, it's really bootstrapping this. And the only way that retailers are going to carry our products is if you go in and ask for it. So you know, I would say, please go out and ask for it and put your set up. Yeah, that's a great model. Just to keep it, keep it local, keep it, you know, keep a personal touch to it. Keep it, you know, uh, you know, like I said, homegrown. People say, do you ship your produce? No, we have the same thing too. Uh, no. That would defeat the purpose, purpose. of our, uh, yeah. shipping our produce yeah. halfway around the world. Yeah, that's, that's not the point. No. So yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's sort of like you want to get big and you want to grow, but there's a limit and what you could do personally and mm-hmm. to keep the quality control and stuff like that. We've had that. Uh, we didn't know anybody going in business mm-hmm. doing that. Um, we also want to thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. Um, well. mm-hmm. It was a real helpful um, for us to keep this thing going. So we'd like to thank you for doing that. Hopefully. And thanks for all your business model. And thanks for your the and, yeah. that you created. Yeah. Thanks for doing it for, you know, for the, you know, right for the community, for the environment, for the gardeners, for everybody out there. So we, we thank you for doing that and your passion and your, you know, that, that drives you to, to give, uh, you know, good product out there so that, you know, people can grow their own food. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, you know, I'm very grateful for you guys, you know, for the opportunity to work with you and be here and the fact you guys are doing the same thing we're doing. So, you know, thank you for also making a stand for local agriculture and for people's health and wellness and knowledge. Um, you know, it's, it's very inspiring for me when I found out about, you know, about urban homestead and what you're doing, you know, your family story. It's, it's an awesome thing to see. So yeah, we gotta, so, yeah. yeah, we got to yeah. support each other and it's all about community and, and everybody has, you know, their different things. You, you know, we have the produce and, and you have the soil and we just, we have to find people like networks and satellites and, and support each other. So that's hopefully, you know, uh, you know, push people, more people your way to find out about your product and, and mm-hmm. continue, you know, the hope you continue to grow in a, in a you know, holistic, holistic <laughs> uh, model too. So uh, yeah, we hope yeah, you stay in touch and become friends. And, Keep in touch. Maybe we'll get you back on another podcast and and do yeah. maybe a little video. Or yeah, or maybe stop on by. Yeah, there we go. There's I have yeah, you over for for dinner. From dinner. <laughs> there's there's always yeah, that. thank you. Our doors always open. So yeah, thank you again, and we really enjoyed talking with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. And until next time, Bye. see ya. See ya. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go down to the urban homestead, Pasadena by the freeway. Right down there on the urban homestead, Jules and his family are working away. Come on down to the farm in the city, back to the future, back to the plan. Right down there on the urban homestead, loving the life, back into the land. Oh, oh, oh. help the garden grow, singing. Oh, oh, oh. we've got to help the garden grow. The Urban Homestead theme song was written and recorded by Tom Fair. Thanks, Tom. We come to the end of our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to tune in until next time. This is Annie East, Jordan. Keep on growing.
Remember to follow us on our website, urbanhomestead.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We love to hear your feedback. And if you'd like to become a podcast patron, go to urbanhomestead.org forward slash podcast.